Welcome, Red Rats, to Season 3, Episode 23 of The-Rent.com's Blackhawks Rankcast. Live from the COVID-19 studios in the quarantine bubble. Today is Tuesday, September 1st, 2020. I am your host, Jeff Osborne, infamously known on the Twitters as Puck and Hostel. And I am joined here by my co-host and partner in crime, John Jekyll. We have Mr. Aaron Goldschmidt from the Rink Colorado on the line, too. Uh, he's going to join us. He, he, he likes to... He likes to come back and talk Blackhawks a little bit. I know he's he's enjoying this extended uh, Colorado Avalanche run in the playoffs because we haven't had that for the Blackhawks in a while. But he likes to come back home for a little while and talk uh, Blackhawks a little bit for us. So he's like he's like one of those ghoulish guys that hangs around the funeral parlor so he could see corpses. <laughs> Basically, I mean, speaking of corpses, what do you say, guys? The Blackhawks signs the Dano Chara, maybe. Uh. <laughs> oh God, yeah, it never ends around here. But anyway, John, welcome back from your vacation. Uh, I, I heard, heard you traveled west, uh, more out towards where uh, Aaron's at, and uh, yeah, I was, uh, in South Dakota and Wyoming and Montana. When last seen, this this hat was uh, on some hiking poles at about six thousand feet. And I was awesome. in the process. It's in the process of heat stroking, and uh, but uh, yeah, it was a great trip. It's good, good to be back. And uh, you know, um, I, I don't think I missed much, but uh, not really. Nah. You, you did miss uh, almost Mr. Ray Napientek's, uh vision coming true with the Colorado Avalanche almost getting. Uh, they they could still get knocked out, but uh, right well, now they're. Yeah. At least yesterday, they were coming back. Yeah. One thing I did catch was the uh, production of the uh, Rink Colorado uh, decals, which yes. uh, you got one handy, Aaron. Hold it up to the screen because it's it's pretty cool. I've got one downstairs. I got yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, here we go. They're sweet. There it is. See them? There it is. And we got a new batch of uh, oversized uh, rink decals. There it is. There. there it is. Look at that. Yep, and uh, I'm actually going to send a care package out. Uh, the rink, uh, I know Aaron started a uh, a bracket on the the NHL site, um, but I started one up for the entire rink. I'm going to send out a care package of like some uh, decals, maybe a T-shirt or something from puckhockey.com. That's puckhockey.com. See, puckhockey.com. U-C-K-H. The Slayer shirt. And there it is. There it is. There there you go. PuckHockey.com, Those are our boys. They got the, the Slayer shirt. You guys just saw the Slayer shirt that we have. Um, they got all that cool stuff. So I don't, I don't want to have be an extended commercial because I'll put in a commercial a little later, which tells even more stuff that they have. But uh, visit our boys at PuckHockey.com. They've actually been live tweeting games as well, which is new, kind of new for them. Uh, so make sure you follow them on, on Twitter. But uh, yeah, yeah we're, we're really happy with those those stickers. We I think we gave away like five or ten sticker packs last night during the Avs game, and people were psyched to get them. So we're excited to see people throw them on water bottles and throw them around town. So it's really good. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's great to get that logo out there, and uh, you know, for people to support us. And uh, I've got some on my truck. So if you see a black truck riding around the Chicagoland area with ring stickers on it, uh, that's that's me. But plus, some of our writers have have the original batch the smaller ones we have some and uh there's the smaller and bigger ones you can see here 
small ones and the big ones. They're pretty cool. I had a proposition for some Blackhawks fans. I've actually got uh, a bunch of swag, including a really a brand new uh, Blackhawks flag that I thought we could raffle off on the rink. That would be cool. Yeah, I'm open for all of it, uh, especially. Oh, there it is. Yep, cool. I could actually, I actually have that flag out in my front yard. It's getting a little. Uh, I've had it since 2013, so it's a little bit. Uh, uh, faded from the sun, but because I kept it out like pretty much the entire summer, 2013 and 15. Maybe I need but, to send it to you. <laughs> well, however we want to do it, but uh, it actually says yeah. on, on the side of the package you can wrap one entire Alex DeBrinket in this flag. <laughs> so nice regulation size. Is, is that Alex DeBrinket before or after he gets traded? <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, it's the Alex to break body bag. <laughs> the, the, truthers, body bag. the truthers are going to come out after me for sure. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we did talk about uh, uh, Colorado a little bit. They're playing tomorrow, right? They are. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, of course we want them to win, even though I have seen through the, uh, through the uh, Instagram and through some other things, a lot of uh, Dallas Stars people coming out of the woodwork harassing. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, they look good in some games. They look bad in some games. It's kind of like a, the tale of two cities almost with these with the Colorado Avalanche. They're a good team. They're a good, fast team. And maybe next year they can, uh, you know, despite whatever happens in these playoffs, maybe next season they're going to actually have a little bit of money because they're on all these entry-level contracts that they're going to be able to, you know, maybe bring in a big name just for a year, like a Taylor Hall or, uh, uh, you know, whatever, maybe a Robin Leonard. Leonard's not going there, but just a big name in the free agent market. They, they're going to have like one year to really load up and do maybe that super team thing next year. So, I mean, if they were able to win this year and then load up for a super team thing next season, whenever that begins, that'd be kind of crazy. It's possible. You know, last night I really didn't know what to expect. I, I thought the Stars were going to put them away, honestly, um, because they went so nuclear with the lineup. They were starting Michael Hutchinson, um, who was like – And Dallas was starting uh, Ben Ben Bishop. I, ben I didn't Bishop understand that one. Rashed. I have no idea why they did that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they had Connor Timmons in the lineup, who's um, you know hasn't played much at all in the NHL. I think it was his first NHL point he got an assist on. And then the former captain of DU, Logan O'Connor, has been playing for Matt Calvert. He's been awesome. So, yeah, it was just – I was kind of blown away by the start that they had. But, yeah, I mean, we're – instead of looking at it down 3-2, you got to look at it as two wins away from the Western Conference final. So, it's uh, it's an exciting time. But, you know, every team has their ups and downs. It's nice to see a team that can actually compete in the playoffs, huh? <laughs> well – Technically, Hawks won a round. I'm not going to short them for that, but um, it wasn't a playoff yeah, it wasn't round. The playoffs. It wasn't the playoffs. Yeah, they so, won a game. Yeah, they they won a game because Corey Crawford stood on his, his absolute head and did yeah. flips and all that other stuff because yeah. there was no way they deserved to win that game. But we're going to talk about that a little bit later. I was um, talking to a friend actually, and he was saying, if you were Corey Crawford, would you even consider signing? Uh, in Toronto if they trade Freddie Anderson for a year? Um, if I'm Crawford, I do, because it may be your last chance at a cup. It's not going to be here in Chicago. Despite the, despite all those 
you know, the media and what he, what is he going to say when you get him on a zoom call and you say, Hey, Corey, do you want to come back here? What is he going to say? No, no. He's going to say, yeah, I want to stay with this team. I like these guys. He's going to, yeah, I mean, he's going to tow that company line. It, it could be that because his wife is from Chicago, um, you know, and he just wants to wind it out here, but it could, there's other factors that come into it, like the agent, you know, um, the agents make about 10% of what the player makes. And, and, you know, if somebody's coming with a lot more money and uh, there's some kind of uh, nice opportunities off the ice, like endorsements or what have you, or, you know, especially that opportunity to, to make a real long run in the playoffs, which is far from guaranteed with the Blackhawks next year. Um, I, you know, there's a lot of variables. You know, I, I suspect that he's probably still going to sign in Chicago. And I know we're going to talk about the, um, the, uh, the relative, uh, intellect of that move one way or the other uh, later. But uh, I, I suspect it will. But at the same time, I, I don't think it, the part that's this fan base drives me nuts. Cause in, in addition to the, you know, the bring back this guy or comparing some prospect to, you know, a, a hall of famer that they always do. The other thing is, is, you know, because people talk about it on the internet, it becomes a foregone conclusion, you know? And yeah. uh, the truth is it, it <laughs> there's still a long way to go before he's back in Chicago next year. So. Yeah. 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 Well, let's kind of, we'll, we'll kind of go down first. First of all, I want to do, I do want to give a little bit of a shout out to Theo Fox. He's a kind of a friend of ours. Uh, he actually took over for our other friend, Tyler Cameron over at we hockey two. buzz. We have two Theo and Tyler. Yeah. And <laughs> so, well, it's debatable. I mean, <laughs> if they're, we can't really call them friends because I don't think they want to be associated with us. We definitely have more enemies than we have friends. Yeah, right. We have definitely a lot more enemies. But um, Theo Fox has taken over at Hockey Buzz for Tyler Cameron, who's going to move on and do more of his side stuff. And, you know, of course, we understand that. I've got plenty of side stuff going on. So uh, not side chicks, just side stuff. Uh, but, yeah, Theo Fox has taken over there at uh, – at Hockey Buzz, uh, he's, he's looks like he's doing a good job over there already. He, he's got his first article up. Uh, we want to wish Tyler well. Uh, he's going to probably come on and talk some Blackhawks. I'm sure he's going to be itching, kind of like when Jimmy Greenfield, we had him on after he left, uh, kind of itching to talk Blackhawks a little bit. So I'm sure Tyler's going to come on. Uh, he said he's you know more than willing to come on. I had tried to get him on a couple times recently, but just uh, schedules didn't uh, line up properly. And uh, But – Theo too. I'm going to probably have Theo come on, you know, get some of these uh, newer voices and, and stuff that rational Blackhawks voices to come on and, you know, talk normal about the Blackhawks rather than, you know, talking about signing Zidane Ochara uh, at, at 40 years old to be paired up with Duncan Keith, who's almost 40 years old. You have 80 years worth of uh, defensemen, you know, old started to be broke down defensemen. Yeah. So we can we can battle our way to uh, ninth in the conference next year with Zidane Chara and Duncan Keith, and I'm sure Chara is really up for that too. Yeah, I mean, he's going to leave the Bruins, who actually had a chance right. to to compete, and even though you know they didn't, uh, and and I will not blame Tuka Rask to, despite that tweet that I put out. I don't think it's Rask's fault. You know, if if he wanted to leave the bubble because his daughter was sick, let him leave. Uh, you know, it, there's there's more important things because what if your daughter gets sick? and dies while you're in the bubble and, and probably maybe not even still winning the Stanley cup, or even if you were going to win the Stanley cup, you know, 
you don't, you know, that's just, it, it's irrational thought. Uh, I thought Blackhawks fans were irrational, but it, uh, apparently Boston takes the cake. So, but yeah. So anyway, um, getting into the Blackhawks, uh, what happened? We, we didn't recorded since basically the end of July. So it's been about a month. Uh, a lot has happened with the Blackhawks. I'm quite frankly, very surprised that, uh, They've kept the COVID numbers to zero. Uh, the bubble has worked. Uh, you know, I, they deserve props. The NHL deserves props for being able to get this as far as they've gotten it, you know, through two rounds with no COVID issues. Uh, what were your thoughts, uh, John? Oh, well, I, I, as I said early on, I thought that they were that they weren't going to make it. I thought that the thing was going to break down because they were going to have rampant. COVID. I did too. They pulled it off. I think that uh, so far, yeah, they pulled it off so far. It could go were, off the rails, but it's good. It's looking good. Probably it doesn't look like it's going to. Um, I mean, I think they made the wise move in moving it to Canada. Um, I think if they'd have tried to do it in the United States, we'd be having an entirely different conversation right now. Um, but uh, they, they made the wise move in doing that. I think that the, uh, the arena experience that they tried to approximate has been kind of, kind of dopey and kind of goofy and silly. And, uh, but, you know, the, the bottom line is it just kind of proves that the, it's all about the game. It's all about what happens on the ice. And, and uh, you know, I, I really didn't, you know, the fake cheers and the, you know, the cutout, the cardboard cutouts in the stands, I really, I didn't even notice it at times. I was just, you know, so, so glued to the games. Um, and so I, you know, kudos to the league that they were able to do this. I mean, because it, it didn't, the, the odds seemed pretty wrong at first. Yeah. Aaron, what do you think? Uh, I can't lie. Um, I absolutely loved waking up at nine o'clock and being at work at home and, uh, you know, having five or six straight hockey games on. I loved it. It was great for the fan. Um, I, I actually thought a while ago that this was going to work. I thought that the bubble was the only solution and we saw baseball really struggle early on and I still think they're going to struggle, but um, yeah, I mean, look at the NBA, they're starting to bring in um, players families in and I don't know how that's going to go. There's testing with that, but I don't think the NHL is doing that for their players. Um, actually they are. They said, I think they said in the, Next round, or uh, they're going to allow people's families to join them. Okay. Yeah, uh, like the conference final, I believe, it, it is where they're going to do it. Yeah, but for the situation, um, all things considered, I think they've done a great job. Um, it wasn't perfect. I think they've, they've improved a lot of things, like the crowd noise was really bad in the beginning, and now they're starting to accent, like, if there's a big play, you hear, like, the crowd erupt and stuff. It, it's They're getting better at it each game, so – I applaud them and it's been fun for me watching and it's really strange because we're getting to the conference finals and it's like, Oh, we're really winding down, but now football's starting. Um, and we get that's going to be a mess. I can't see that happening. I can't see you getting out of the preseason. Yeah, it's going to, well, there's no preseason actually, but, uh, so they'll play. How much I've been paying attention to other sports. Yeah. So, so they'll play and then boom, January 1st, we have NHL again, I think. So, well, I just I saw some some reports today from Elliot Friedman saying that you know maybe January first, maybe uh, your worst case scenario March March first for next season. Uh, originally they were saying December first, and I thought that was I mean because if if you're not doing the bubble, I don't know how you do a draft 
free agency and training camps in like a month and a half or whatever it's going to be and then start a brand new season after these guys just played a full playoff. But, uh, you know. So here's a question about football too. Do you guys think that it's worth kicking off the beginning of next year with a winter classic if there's no fans? Um, You know what? I'll be honest. I don't miss the fans at all. Uh, I think they're distracting uh, when you watch on TV. I think it's just, it's distracting. You know, you see the idiot in the first row stands up and he's pointing at himself and he's got his jerseys banging on the glass. They're doing all that. The only time you notice them is when they're doing something like when they're being idiots. Like Vince Vaughn. Yeah. Right. And you know, other, other than that, like, I don't care if there's fans there. I don't, I I honestly wouldn't even care if they had crowd noise, to be honest with you. I like watching the game. And this is something that I was thinking about earlier or probably a couple weeks ago. A lot of these guys played in tournaments growing up. And while you do get fan support from parents and stuff, you could easily, like I've played in in inline tournaments and stuff where there's no one there. You're playing the first three games of the day. There's six people in the building. Yeah. And because you start at 7 a.m. or 6.30 a.m. or whatever the case is. These guys, they make uh, – the the announcers and stuff kind of make it out like, whoa, oh, they're, they're, it's going to be really weird and distracting to them that they don't have any fans. You know what? They've played hockey without fans before, and they'll be – you know, they practice without fans. It's not that big of a deal. Maybe it will – you know, maybe it's more emotional where, you know, you hear the crowd go, rah, you know, roar, and it kind of gets you up a little bit. But playing the game in the middle of the game – yeah, you While you're in the middle of a play, you're not listening to what's going on in the crowd, really. You're not listening to the Joe Schmo up in the 300 level going, shoot. You're not. You're paying attention to what's going on in the ice. So one I don't thing, think it affects them either. One thing that I've noticed, especially in the Avs Dallas series, is that it's hard to stop the bleeding. And maybe that has, has to do with crowd noise and momentum because sometimes it's like, all right, you know, the other team's scoring a couple of goals. Like, you need, you need to pick me up. You need the crowd to get up and just get you going. And it's, it's so one or the other side of the spectrum. It's just this team scoring five goals or this team scoring five goals. There's people, the coaches don't want to call their timeout because you get one. And if you, if you lose it, then you can't challenge anything. So you can't stop the bleeding there. And the momentum swings, it's just like, if one team's going, they're just going, you can't stop it. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's, it's that, that has happened a couple times. Uh, like the other day, you know, it happened yesterday in the Avs game where they scored five in the first period. But then uh, Dallas did it like the game previous to that where they, they scored a bunch of goals early in, in the game. And I it was just the hard. Did, the only thing that stopped it was the actual intermission. The Hawks did it to the Oilers in game one. They just blitzed them. Yeah. You couldn't stop it. Yeah. Well, that's another thing altogether. <laughs> the fact that any team could get blitzed by the Blackhawks is shocking. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, um, yeah. So – uh, the Blackhawks, uh, the first round, of course, you just mentioned, uh, they beat the Oilers uh, despite what we all thought was going to happen because I just thought just based on talent alone, just if you're going to, you know, it's one of those things, uh, you don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. Uh, apparently the Oilers don't have enough talent to win on talent alone because they didn't. And uh, the Blackhawks kind of embarrassed them, uh, which is weird because they had, you know, Dreisaitl and they got McDavid and they've got, you know, some nice young defensemen. They're not – you know, elite level defensemen, but they're pretty good. Uh, the goaltending was awful for Edmonton. They were just bad. The and the and pretty much Corey Crawford just 
he did what he had to do. He didn't have any really hard games where he was really blitzed that hard. Uh, he did stand on his head for a game, but um, I thought where he really stood on his head was against Vegas that one game. Other than that, they didn't stand a chance. But what were your thoughts on uh, the uh, Edmonton series? Minor errands. I guess Either one. Off or mine. Um, I think uh, I think we all and and I'm using the royal we because I, I was a, was guilty of overestimating Edmonton and I thought that their defense too. was going to was going to push the Hawks around and um, and and just outwork the Hawks and and actually the opposite happened. I mean, Taves, Jonathan Taves especially um, came to really play and um, he just outcompeted. Um, a lot of the Edmonton uh, defensemen and, and uh, you know, the centers that he faced and uh, um, Edmonton wasn't ready for it, you know? And um, the other thing is, is uh, Mike Smith really crapped the bed in the first game. And uh, I, 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 it's kind of like Edmonton never really recovered from that first game. Although it really in all the subsequent games, including the game they won, it never seemed like they were really that good of a team. Um, and, and I think they were exposed by the Hawks. And not so much because the Hawks were that great, but just that Edmonton's just not that good. I mean, they really rely on two players. Um, and I think that um, uh, it was pretty, it was laid pretty bare that Ken Holland's got a lot of work to do. They're not ready to take that next step. They're not the avalanche. They're still um, a bubble team at best. And, um, you know, and the other thing is a year from now, I could see the Hawks playing them and, and, um, and not, not necessarily being any better. Um, because Edmonton's, you know, talent is young. I mean, McDavid is young and Dreisaitl is young and they need a goalie pretty bad. But, uh, um, and the the goaltending made a difference for the Hawks in that series too. Crawford was better than their goalies. So. Aaron, what'd you think? I thought the worst thing that could have happened for Edmonton was to play, you know, all home games. And I thought the best thing for Chicago was that they were playing all road games. I think that there are guys in the Hawks locker room that probably addressed the group and said, guys, look, there's one way we're going to win these games. Playoff hockey. Chip it in, be a road team, play hard, and play low-risk hockey. Keep it away from our tender. Just lay in their end. And I think that's what they did. I think they shot from anywhere. Look at Matt Heimor's goal. Look at Mata's goal. All these fluke goals, that's how you win in the playoffs. You got an open shot to the to the net. You put it on. They'll bounce off something and go in. And I think the Hawks just said to themselves, "Hey, if we can hang and still be in it at the third period. We're gonna co- we're gonna challenge these guys to win these games." And I think they did. So yeah. it's it it's disappointing for, to me that Edmonton thought they you know their shit didn't stink, but um, you know that's a lesson to be learned for that team that. That team needs to teach themselves, look, we can't win on pretty McDavid goals in the playoffs. It just doesn't work like that. Well, that, and you have to have a goalie that can make some saves. Uh, this fallacy that you can go out there and get a $2 million goalie like Mike Smith, like Miko Koskinen, or, you know, Brian Elliott, or, though you know, those guys, you can just throw them in there and, and they'll just they'll hold you in the game. It's not so. If you don't have a strong team that can, you know, hold a, an opponent to under 25 shots a game, well, then when you get to the playoffs, you're going to not be in the playoffs for very long. And, and, that, and, and that goes to what, you know, the Blackhawks are going to have coming up next year when all these people are like, oh, you could just go out and get any goalie off there, you know, uh, Anton Hudobin or whatever. Like, 
No, not necessarily. You need a goalie that can steal you some games. And Mike Smith wasn't stealing you any games. Neither was Koskinen. Like, they were not stealing anybody any games. And Corey Crawford can steal you a game. Even though he's, you know, older and injury prone and, and all the things that we, you know, outlined, he was not having a great series up until he, you know, stole one game in Edmonton. And against Vegas, he wasn't really having a, a wonderful series. He was having an average series uh, until he stole that one game where he was just standing on his head making 50-something saves. That's what he had to do for them to win a game. And even then, they barely win that game, you know. I mean, they won it, you know, more than barely. But, uh, you know, it took a lot of effort for them to get, you know, just one game out of that series. So, To that point, I think Carey Price stole a couple of games. From yes. And obviously, that's a $10 million goalie. But to your point, yeah. The Allegedly. Games, games are going to be tight. <laughs> And yeah. sometimes you need goaltenders to step up like that. 1-0. I think in the playoffs you really do. I mean, we see it year after year. I mean, the tenor of the game's changes becomes a lot more physical. The rest swallow their whistles, and goaltending becomes a lot more important. Um, you know, because there's a lot of crashing and banging around the nets, and the goalies have to – I mean, the goalies have to really come up big and, and play, you know, under immense pressure in the playoffs. And now I'm not um, – segueing here to make the argument for re-signing Corey Crawford, but because I'm not sure the Hawks are going to make the playoffs next year. So, I don't think they're going to, honestly. Yeah, but the, it is, I think what we've seen in these playoffs is that, and, and it's not like it's a new thing, is that goaltending, you know, elite goaltending or near elite goaltending is is almost, I mean, there's some cases where teams win without without great goaltenders like the Hawks in 2010 with Niemi. Um, but generally speaking, you got to have a top guy to get to, to get the call. Miami had a pretty good year, though. And, it, yeah. and, and honestly, I mean, look at Huey. He, he, that was their that was their alternative was Huey, and Huey had like an under nine ninety uh, percent save percentage, which was just garbage. They so, did. Yeah. Hang on a second, uh, John. Who are the goalies that are still in the playoffs right now? Carter Hart, young guy. Yeah. He's good though. Vasilevsky has won Vesna. We'll give him that. Yeah. Um, Varlamov, I don't. I don't know if he's the elite. Yeah, no, but he's a. He, that's a system thing over there. Uh, everyone who's pretty much played it now with Barry Trotz's system has, you know, the, it's a defensive system where you're not seeing a lot of high danger shots, and he's doing enough to keep them in the game. And and that's a, that's more of a system thing. Jacob but the Mark. Blackhawks don't have a system like that. Jacob Markstrom, Mark Andre Fleury, Robin Lanner. Those are good. I mean, Markstrom's going to be the top free agent outside of Lanner. Markstrom's going to be the top free agent goalie uh, on the market this summer. And then you got Lanner, who's a Vezina caliber goalie. Mark Andre Fleury, who he's still not a Vezina guy, but he's good. He's yeah. better than, you know, he's probably in the top half of the league as far as goalies go. I mean, he's better than Anton Hudobin. Uh, which you didn't, you didn't even get to him yet. Anton Hudobin and, and Ben Bishop. Hudobin's okay. He's an okay, like you know, a backup. He's like a, you know, if what what Cam Ward should have been if Corey Crawford was in the, you know, was actually around that year. Uh, Cam Ward would have been a really good backup. They could start twenty games, you know, twenty out of eighteen games or fifteen games, you know, in a season for you if Corey Crawford gets hurt. Instead, he ended up being the starter. Uh, you gotta have you gotta have a guy who's if you want to be a top fifteen team in the NHL, you gotta have a goalie who's kind of a top fifteen goalie. Yeah. 
he doesn't have to be a top five goalie, but I think you got to have, and that, that's what's going to worry me about, you know, your abs is that um, Grubauer's hurt, Francis is hurt, uh, Michael Hutchinson, I mean, he was run out of Toronto, kind of like Malcolm Suter was run out of. Uh, he was pretty you know, good with NXS. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Until that one fateful day. Uh, but to your point, maybe maybe that's where they have to spend their money next year if they can get a, a one year deal. Maybe they sign Braden Holtby for a year. Um, oh, good luck. I don't think, but Aaron, I don't think Braden Holtby's signing anywhere for a year. What is he? Thirty. Yeah, he's like 30, 31, yeah. yeah. But he's declining. I, I pointed this out on Twitter. Like, you look at the stats, him and uh, who was the other one? Um, oh, Matt Murray. Those guys were two of the worst goalies in the NHL this year. And Washington doesn't have a terrible defense. They're not awful. You know, they're they kind of they, – Yeah, they're kind of average-ish as far as defense goes. And they got good forwards, good talented forwards. They're a better team than the Blackhawks. Yeah. Uh, and he was one of the worst goalies in the NHL. And the same with Matt Murray. Like, Pittsburgh isn't awful. They were going to make the playoffs anyway. Matt Murray is one of the worst goalies in the NHL. They're, they're starting Tristan Jerry instead of Matt Murray because Matt Murray couldn't stop a puck. Uh, those – why would – like, as the Blackhawks, whose defense is leaky as hell, why would you sign guys who, with average defenses, were some of the worst goalies in the NHL? Wait. Didn't didn't somebody say that this is a great year for free agent goalies? <laughs> yes, they did. Yes, they did. Uh, it, it that just because there's a lot of goalies out there doesn't mean there's a lot of good goalies out there. And um, you know, like I said, I, I like Anton Hudobin, but he's not going to be your starter for 82 games or whatever it's going to be, and through the playoffs, he's going to turn back into a pumpkin. They said Dark Darcy Kemper. Darcy Kemper, I'm I swear he's he's the next Devin Dubnik where he turns back into a pumpkin and he's just, you know, he, he played okay in, in, in with the coyotes, but you put him somewhere else. And I guarantee you Darcy Kemper's turn. I mean, there's no way you make it to 30 years old. And then all of a sudden you're an elite goalie in the NHL. Well, it, it just doesn't happen. People made so much out of what Nicholas Jalmerson said about him. What's he supposed to say? Yeah, yeah our goalie's kind of average, but, you know, he's He's, he's, he's okay. not great, but he gets us where we need to be. I mean, he's not going to say that. I mean, but yeah. the truth of the matter is, I mean, Darcy Kemper's a journeyman, you know. Um, yeah. And, uh, That's the only reason he's in, he's in the desert is because he a, he's a journeyman. Sure, he's played great there. And you know what? If I'm Arizona, because he's played good in my system, I'm going to hang on to him because – you know, he could probably play good in this system. That's kind of how Devin Dubnik was in, with the Wild. He was Darcy Kemper. He had played all around. He was thrown away by Montreal. He was thrown away by Edmonton. He was thrown away by the Coyotes. He was thrown away by several teams because he couldn't stop a puck. Then all of a sudden he shows up in Minnesota and everyone thinks he's this elite goalie of Vezina Caliber. And then he hits the, you know, during the regular season, he plays pretty well. Where you do play bad teams, probably, you know, 40% of the time at least, maybe 50% of the time. And he's playing good against putting up numbers against some bad teams, some good teams. Then he hits the playoffs where teams are really good, and he turns back into a pumpkin again. That's going to be what Darcy Kemper is going to turn into. You, 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 you don't just become an elite goalie at 30 years old. Tim Thomas, what happened with Tim Thomas does not happen to, you know, guys who've been thrown around, around the league and just sign, you know, mercy contracts as backups. Hey, is this guy a free agent? 
<laughs> he is. We, you know, hey, if the Blackhawks are going to go out and sign old guys, they might as well go back and sign Tony O back up. According to the Biddy's commercial, he can still move a little bit. <laughs> Not real fast. Let's talk for a second about our founding sponsors, puckhockey.com. That's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. You've probably heard John and I talk about the Rink's Puck Hockey line of merch, but you might not know the amount of high-quality stuff they have to offer. These aren't just cheap T-shirts with a weak logo slapped on them. They're high-quality shirts, flannels, hats, sweatshirts, hoodies, shorts, and their hockey sweater collaborations are unparalleled. They also have masks, backpacks, stickers, and posters as well. This is your one-stop shop for the best hockey and music collaborative apparel lines. The Puck Hockey collaborations aren't just with heavy metal bands either. They have really cool lines with Snoop Dogg and a couple of popular hockey documentaries you might have seen or heard of, Ice Guardians and Making Coco, the Grant Fuhrer story. If you're interested in the heavy metal line like I am, they have an extensive roster of popular thrash and heavy metal bands. Just listen to this list of legendary groups. Anthrax, Exodus, Lamb of God, Meshuga, Opeth, Overkill, Testament, Cannibal Corpse, and many more. Even their exclusive line of puck hockey stuff is really cool with the new hockey pentagram logo and their shoot pucks, not people line. Not only are they founding sponsors of ours, but we've been fans and customers of their stuff for years prior to them joining the rink's list of partners. Puck hockey continues to step up their game and bring in more big names all the time. So support the-rink.com by heading over to www dot puckhockey.com that's p-u-c-k-h-c-k-y.com fill up your cart with some high quality gear and use the discount code the rink t-h-e-r-i-n-k at checkout for 10 percent off of all of your orders make sure to follow them on social media because they do run 15 and 20 percent off specials as well if you use that instead send our friends matt and amy a message in the comment section and tell them that gate and jj over at the-rink.com sent you maybe even throw in a rink t-shirt and hat to go along with your order. You get free shipping with orders over $100 and they'll throw in free goodies too. What's not to love? Remember, that's P U C K H C K Y.com and discount code THE RING. Oh man, let's go. In the NHL is scoring and 23 goals is good for a lot of guys. I mean, it was good for Troy Brower, but I mean, DeBrink is being paid six, he's going to be paid $6.4 million. So he's going to have third line sometime scoring guy. Yeah, they're gonna have. They're he's gonna really need to dial it up, or it's gonna be yet another case of Stan Bowman, uh, you know, pulling the trigger way too early on big money um, for one of his guys, and uh, you know, it's it's a contract that the Blackhawks are gonna regret. I mean, he's gonna have to turn it around, and I think I think it's the answer to it is they need they really need a legitimate second line center to get him the puck, and we don't think it doesn't look like Strom is that guy. Um, and, uh, I, I think it still remains to be seen if, if doc ends up at center or a wing, you know, I think he's going to end up, I think it's, I think they're going to continue to just force him into that center role, uh, because they don't have any other choices. Yeah, no, I know. But I mean, you know, 15% of the faceoff dot isn't going to cut it, you know, he'll probably get better. The question is how much better he'll get. Yeah. I, I was impressed with Kirby doc. Like he, he, he looked confident. He looked like, Hey, you know, I, I've kind of, and I kind of mentioned this, I was kind of mentioning this to my son. I was having a conversation with him. I said, you know, sports are hard, da, 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 da. I was giving him the whole fatherly talk. Like, you know, sports are hard. You can't just jump in and you're just good at it all of a sudden. Like, uh, you know, you're going to have to go in there. You're going to have to learn things. You have to learn how the game is played, all that, the rules. And then after a while, you're going to get to a point where things are just going to come natural. 
and you're going to understand it. And there's that switch is going to flip and you're going to just start doing things without actually really having to think about them. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what, I, what it looked like with Kirby doc is like during the regular season, he was feeling it out. What's it going to be like to play against these guys? What's, you know, even though he had a good season, uh, you know, and he was only 18 years old, I'm not knocking him on any of that stuff. What ended up happening was, is he started to get confidence. And as the season rolled on, he got in there and he's, and it started, things started clicking. Like well, things started becoming more natural for him. And that's, that's a good sign for Blackhawks in the future. Yeah. It's this conversation that I've actually had with my sons who are both high school athletes. Um, you know, the, the, neither one of them wants to lift weights, but the, the truth of the matter is in a contact sport, when you, when you go and you do that training and you gain that strength with it comes confidence in a contact sport and players in the, in, especially in the pros who, who can play confidently against other pros and they're not pulling up short and, and not competing for pucks. Um, those guys, it, it's, it, it's, and that's what Doc did. I mean, during his off time, um, you know, after the regular season ended and leading up to the, uh, the plan, he wasn't trained. And apparently he put on some muscle and, and you could see it in, you could see the confidence in his game because he did that. And he's going to need to keep doing it. He's got a ways to go still. I mean, he's still really skinny. And, but uh, that's really a good sign too, because it says something about his character. And it says about how he's going to work going forward. Um, He's not spoiled. He wants it. um, And he's going to, he's going to keep working for it. And uh, that's all really good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I mean, that's, I, I want this pick to work out because I really, you know, we all, I think, is a website, uh, really wanted them or really thought that, you know, taking a forward at that spot is something they needed to do to replenish the system. And I, I'd really like to see that work out, uh, you know, in the end, just overall, because I think that was the right move for them to, to make at that point in time. You know, Bowen Byram, you can, Aaron, you know, your, your, your firsthand knowledge of Bowen Byram now, uh, but you know, they had a bunch of defensemen in the system. I, I didn't think having one more was going to put them over the edge. And who was going to score the goals? And who was going to take the big face-offs? They don't have anybody in their system. And we're going to talk about this a little bit later with, you know, them not developing people in the system or them getting, you know, players that are decent and then, uh, you know, just sending them to Montreal for Dale Weiss or, you know, whatever they don't have any people to, to fill that forward role in the system. Say what you will about Evan Barrett, say what you will about, you know, any of those guys, they're all probably bottom six players at this point in time. They don't have any top six players in their system right now, other you know, than Kirby doc. Yeah. You know, I'll also add the, the Vegas series really exposed the Hawks, not just in terms of their play in a, in a best of seven, but also in terms of where they are as an organization. I mean, Vegas is really good. And, um, they're, and they're showing it again and, and they're and, deep. Yeah. They're good. And they're big, they're big and they could skate. And the, I mean, people, if people think the Hawks checked the box with doc, no, he's, he's one, he's one box checked. Yes. But they, the Hawks need more big forwards with, with skill. They, they, because you look at the teams that win cups, they have those guys in abundance or the teams that, that, that go deep in the playoffs, or the teams that are better playoff teams than they are regular season teams, like these guys. They have a lot of big forwards with skill, and the Hawks need more of those guys. And I, and I don't know if Stan Bowman has gotten that memo yet, um, and maybe, maybe that's why the Hawks need a new GM, um, because 
it's, it is a physical game and size does matter. And it especially matters up front. It really does. You um, know what? I was just thinking of this while you were saying that. And uh, maybe we should stop saying big and just say strong. Because that's kind of more what yeah. we're thinking of is strong forwards, drive hard to the net. Yeah. Brandon Saad, he's not necessarily what you'd say. You know, he's not six foot six and 240 no. pounds, but he's strong. He's a legit and six two and he's real strong. Yeah, they need strong players that can, yeah. that can you know, do the dirty work uh, so that, you know, the players, you know, like, you know, uh, Kubalik, even though Kubalik's pretty strong for, you know, he's, for he's what fast. he is. He's fast. <laughs> Allegedly. No, I, I like Dominic Kubalik. I love Dominic Kubalik. So, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of him. But J- John and I had a little thing. I, I said he was a little bit on the slower side. John, uh, John says he's faster than I think he is, which is fine. That's, that's perfectly fine. But, yeah, so going back to the series a little bit, uh, Kubelik and, and, and Doc played well. Dabrinkit did not play well. Dylan Strom seems to be – seems like uh, Jeremy Colleton doesn't like him because uh, he's not getting a lot of playing time, even though he scored a couple of goals. He actually looked – honestly, he looked better than Dabrinkit did for most of the playoffs. Um, and then Alex Nylander, that's a whole another thing. Uh, that's – it's never going to go away. I, I don't know why people think this was going to go away. When you trade – a potential top four defenseman it's 20 years old who is now in the top four for Buffalo Sabres. Granted, Buffalo Sabres are not in the playoffs, but it's a top four defenseman who is, you know, slated to be in your lineup, traded away for some guy who can't get more than 12 minutes a game and isn't playing fourth line by the end of the playoffs. Like that's not going to go away. It's going to get worse. You're gonna, you're going, he's never going to live this trade down, but so he, well, he's by the end of the playoffs, he, he was scratched. A lot of them down. I mean, he's he's a weeble. He wobbles, but he doesn't fall down because there's all kinds of trades he's made that that are just yeah have ended up being head scratchers. Um, you know, and then you get the the usual vote of confidence and contract extension for him. So Aaron, that, Aaron that jump in nine lives, man. Aaron, jump in. What do you think about these guys? Doc, Kubalik, Debrinket, Strom, Nylander. You know, I've been on the Avs beat or, you know, following this team for a, a few years now. And, You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks for <laughs> saying <laughs> But I was, I was there for a lot of the years where we had Strom, and um, I thought it was a huge mistake when we traded Nick Schmaltz. I know a lot of people don't like him and his attitude, but I look at the player that Nick Schmaltz is, and I would much rather have him on the ice than Alex to bring it in the playoffs. Nick Schmaltz was a passer. He, I mean, he didn't want to shoot sometimes. and he was. I guess if you have to choose, yeah. He was a great skater. He distributed the puck really well. He found open guys. I mean, he scored 20 or 25 goals in a regular season. Um, I don't know. I just – there's so many guys that have left the team that I liked, um, that I was a fan of, and we've more or less gotten worse um, because of those trades. So it's frustrating not being able to see guys get drafted by the team, get developed and brought into the full-time roster position. That just hasn't happened that much. Can you guys think of any examples where we've really had a homegrown um, no. crop of players since 2009? No, we're going to, we're going to actually get really in depth into that in a little bit, but you're, you're exactly right. They, they have not developed players at all. It's either they step in. And I, I was, I had a conversation with, uh, I think his name is Josh Bell from uh, the hockey writers today about it because he was talking about the Blackhawks system 
and he's raking uh, farm systems. And the Blackhawks were at 23, which actually I found a little bit high. And then I looked into there and, and some of his, you know, some of who he was actually referring to was like, uh, you know, Kubelik, Nylander, who were never in the Blackhawks system. They were traded and put right into the pro lineup right away. Uh, he, he mentioned Alex Gravel, who's not around anymore. Um, you know, the defensemen, sure. Yeah, they're, they're, you, you, you know, you are our resident Ian Mitchell expert. So the defensemen, yes, we know about the defensemen, and they have a pretty good crop of defensemen. If, they all, if, if half of them pan out, that's still pretty good. So I, I, can't, I can't fault that. But as far as forwards go, who do, we have in, who do they have in the system? Please tell me who think, they have in the system. I don't think it really applies to Ian Mitchell yet because his clock started this summer. He was in college. It wasn't the Blackhawks under their control until this summer. So until they well, – Yeah, they're not developing him for sure. The only yeah. person they've really developed recently, really developed, and they only took a really a year to do it, was Adam Boquist. I don't – can you say they did a good job? Not, not yet. EBD? I mean – I don't know. But it's the I, only one they put an effort into, really, honestly, as far as developing goes. They tried. They sent Brandon, or Brian Campbell out there. They really tried to make sure that he develops into something. Whether he did or not, that's, yeah, well, again, like you said, so, TBD. So here's, yeah, and here's the thing. You can send Brian Campbell. You can send Paul Coffey. You could send Bobby Orr. But the fact of the matter is that developing young defensemen for the NHL takes time. And um, Adam Boquist is, is a guy who's going to have to get by and, and improve as an NHL defenseman based upon what's between his ears. He's never going to be a, a, a physical presence as a, as a defenseman. He's not a guy who comes in with, you know, an, an NHL body like, uh, you know, Noah Dobson will, for example, um, a name I love to drop. Um, but um, he – Boquist is a guy who's going to have to learn the game and he's got skill. He's got a ton of talent. He really does. And he wants, you can tell he wants to get better too. But the problem is the Hawks keep trying to force the narrative with these young players. Now doc seems to be adapting a little better, but the truth of the matter is for all the praise that doc got and, and, and at times Boquist got in the playoffs, they looked out of place a lot. Um, you know, and it showed and it showed because the Hawks lost a lot. Of the, they, they got steamrolled by Vegas. Um, and, um, you know, you got to give them time. And, and the problem is, is everybody keeps trying to force this narrative that, you know, the, the glory days are, are right around the corner, you know, with our core in place. And then these young guys coming in and people are talking about Ian Mitchell coming in and playing next year and, and, and making the defense better. I'm telling you right now, I'm willing to bet, uh, Several thousand dollars, that's not going to happen. I mean, and it's not nothing against him. It's just that it takes time to be a good NHL defenseman. It really does take time, and, they, and they've got to learn the game. Unless, unless you're Kale McCarr. I'm willing to bet that they do because they're that stupid. What do you mean? They're going to bring him up early. Oh, probably. They will. They you will. know what, though? Honestly, I, I can see it now. You know, I'm not against it if your if your plan is hey let's go young let's get these guys a lot of experience young in their you know early in their career we know we're going to be bad for a while let's let them build as it you know is a That's core where group. No, it's not. But if they were to actually go in that direction and and get rid of some of the old you know the old guard and you know I hate to say it but you know I love Duncan Keith too I love Jonathan Taze I love. Patrick Kane, I like seeing these guys. I would hate to see them on other teams. But at a certain point, you, you have to trade them 
trade them or get rid of them or figure out what you're going to do a year too early rather than a year too late. A year too late is a year too late and you're not going to get anything for them. You're probably going to lose your ass on them. And, and what, what is it going to gain you? Is it going to gain you a, an extra game? If you make the playoffs, maybe probably not for guys who, you know, a, a guy who's going to play in Duncan Keith's, you know, in Duncan Keith's instance, you know, 25, 30 minutes a game, but Jonathan Taves or whatever, like, I don't want to see him play anywhere else either, but at some point they're going to play somewhere else or they're going to, they're going to, you know, they're going to resign here for a lot less than $10.5 million. Yeah. So last year I went to the abs prospect camp. There was a, they do like a rookie scrimmage. This, this year it was three on three and bone Byron was in it. Good skater. You know, people were kind of watching him. There's a lot of pressure. He didn't look crazy out of the ordinary good, but just, okay. You know, it's just, it wasn't a great showcase for him. But yeah, it's like after that happened and there was training camp and he was there, they just said, all right, see you later. You know, have fun in the WHL. We're not ready for you. So he went to the W, had a slow start and then heated up towards the end. Um, and now he's in the bubble. He's getting really good experience. We'll see you when we see you. That's the same thing with Alex and Newhook. He's in college. Let him develop, do their own thing. No rush. Um, and I think Sackick really likes his players to spend one full year in the AHL playing for the Eagles get a couple call-ups here and there, but we'll see you when we see you. It's, we don't need you to win. Right. See, that's the problem, Aaron. That's, that's, that's the distinction. The Hawks desperately are counting on these guys to fulfill their narrative that they're selling to fans, that, that prosperity is right around the corner, that they're in, it, they're in it to win it every year, and they're not. They're not. They're, their no. core is getting older. All for one. And the young guys are not coming along fast enough to, to fulfill it. And, and if the Hawks, I don't know. I sometimes I think the Hawks themselves believe it. I think they've deluded themselves, but I mean, it's like, and I, not to jump ahead, but, but there was the um, uh, tweet that, that Chris Block had. When he yeah. Referred, let's get into it. Let's just go right into it. Go ahead. He referred to the, he referred to the organization as be, and that it's become a bottom feeder organization. And some guy chimed in and kind of laughed at him and it's like, no, he's right. He's right. This isn't, this isn't an elite NHL organization anymore as far as the on-ice product. It's not. And people need to let go of it. They really do. Because here's the thing. I'm not here to bury the Blackhawks or say they're crap. I love the Blackhawks. I, I want them to be great. But in order to solve the problem, you got to recognize the problem. And that's you got to be real with yourself. You have to be honest with yourself. Right. And we're trying to be honest with fans. We get branded as haters. I don't want the Blackhawks to lose. Well, you're a hater. I'm not. <laughs> I'm an Alex DeBrinkett hater, noted Alex DeBrinkett hater. But uh, I don't want the Blackhawks to lose. I want the Blackhawks to go back to the cup, and I want them to win. Me too. I see them making, and I and I had a private uh, DM conversation with a guy earlier today, who and I said I don't hate the Blackhawks. I want them to win as much as the next guy, probably more, because I want to celebrate. I want to have a good time. I want to harass other fan bases. I want to do all that stuff that we were able to do five years ago. Right, right. now, the Blackhawks are embarrassing. They're going out there. Uh, like a like they're clueless against other teams and they're we're going to win against Vegas you know what you're not going to win against Vegas anyone with half a brain anyone who watches NHL games knows you're not going to win against Vegas we're going to go you know just go out there and get experience okay fine get experience but yep, if you think sure. you're going to go you're going to make the cup because you be you be a very bad Edmonton team well you got another thing coming because there's there's a whole different level between what Edmonton is and what right. Vegas is Right. Or, or or Colorado. I mean, like the ownership was selling this, like, 
yeah, we got to the playoffs. We got some really good experience for our young guys. It, it, was, a, it was a win for everybody. Like they're a team like Vancouver, who is on the rise with young talent getting – You mean the young Blackhawks? About to make the next step. That's, <laughs> we're not the Canucks. No, I know. We're no. not in any way, shape, or form the Canucks. We are going the opposite direction real fast. And yeah, I like I like the fact that I, right here. And the problem is, I think that some fans are buying in and going, "Pardon me, go ahead." No, I think you're absolutely right. And I think the problem is, is that there are now a lot of fans getting all full of themselves about their out of their skis over this Edmonton play-in win. And you know, uh, one game, as as Gabe put it, where Corey Crawford stood on his head against Vegas, and, and otherwise he wasn't that good either. Frankly. No, he wasn't. Um, you know, but but it's like it's like you know what? It's it's kind of a mirage because the, the formula they're following is not about developing the kind of core that they had back in two thousand nine. It's not. It's 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 like patchwork around a core that's getting older every year. And it, it, as long as they're pursuing that, the best they can hope for is is a first round out. That's as good as they're going to be as long as right they, now they're more of a the mid two thousands Blackhawks in the dark era than they are 2002 yeah you have a whole bunch of old guys you try to bring in some young guys like the abc line to pump everybody up and score some goals and that's what they are right now they're they have a bunch of huge holes in their lineup and they got a bunch of old guys on defense that are that are now uh you know taking spots of younger guys that you could probably be getting in there are they going to be great are they going to be norris trophy winners probably not but you could at least get them in there and get them some playing time or develop in the a Make up your mind. You know, you have to have some kind of development plan for these guys, and you don't, they don't seem to. You brought up the, the, the Chris Block thing, and he said, you know, he mentioned Norm MacGyver by, by name, saying that, you know, he was high on prospects. He thought he had a bright future. Once into the Blackhawks' clutches, those players flamed out. May have been bad judgment, but so, uh, but so have uh, nearly every talent evaluator they employ. Now they're bottom feeder organization, five years removed from the Stanley Cup. Which is, yeah, I mean, we talked about the player development. They're not developing players. They, they either draft Kirby Doc, who ends up in the NHL, or Adam Boquist after one season of playing in junior and, you know, a quarter of a season playing in Rockford is in the NHL, whether he's ready or not. Or you get, you know, everybody else in the system who sits in Rockford for two years and gets forgotten about after 12 months or 10 months, and they just move on from them and then don't sign them. And, and that's what it is. It's either or. You, you either get, you know, feast or famine with this team. There's no in-between. There's no development. There's no, you know, they, they've been using uh, India a little bit more, but not really for anything. It's basically a bunch of guys that they, you know, they uh, drafted in the fifth and sixth and seventh round that they don't know what to do with anymore. So they throw them in Indy and say, go have fun, play pro hockey, qu- play quote-unquote pl- pro hockey. Other than that, you don't see a guy coming from Indy going to Rockford and then ending up in the NHL. Except for Colin Delia. Well, yeah. But goalies are a little bit different, but yeah. And even, even, even Colin Delia, he was a free agent acquisition. He's not someone they, they drafted and then developed. Uh, he's the closest as far as a goalie for drafting, though. I think another misconception that we all need to think about is their, their narrative this year is, man, we sold at the deadline – we got picks and we made the playoff, well, made the qualifying round and won and got into the playoffs when actually, yeah, we, mercy still, killing. we got, <laughs> they got Robin Lanner traded and they got a second round pick and 
uh, what's his name? The guy from DU, Slava Demon. Um, yeah, future Rockford High Sox legend. Yeah, exactly. But we we already traded away our second round pick this year for the Andrew Shaw deal. So you didn't net any picks. You're not ahead at all. No, actually they're behind because that $3.9 million or whatever he's going to make is now going to hold them up from being able to do anything this, this off season. So you signed Robin Leonard and if you should have gotten you're on mute, JJ. Him, if Go you, ahead. Had, you had, but yeah, they're, they're not ahead any more than they were last year. They, they didn't get any more picks. Let's be clear on the shot thing too. They traded for him knowing he'd had concussions the prior season. Yeah. And, you know, well, they did the same with Dahan. They did the same with Mata. They knew they were all injury prone. That's how he was able to finagle those deals for, for, you know, I, 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 the return on those deals was not a lot of stuff. Uh, I, I kind of pointed that out. Are we going to talk about Mata now? (laughs) We are. Let's finish the, the, the Chris Black thing. Uh, but yeah, he, he kind of went through the system and, and he said what we've said all along, which is basically who has come through the Blackhawks system and been developed and then made the NHL and, and made an impact. No one. No defensemen have been developed up until now, you know, Adam Bolkvist coming in. It, and that, that, that again is debatable. Uh, but who ha- what defenseman has been, you know, brought through the system and developed and made it in the NHL? Maybe Trevor Van Riemsdyk, but he wasn't really developed. Um, he, he played like a half season in Rockford and, and, and they were already putting him in the NHL lineup, basically right out of college almost. Um, nobody forwards. Have they, uh, you know, developed any forwards? No, none. Uh, goals, none. Who? Dodd and Shaw have developed through the system. Not really. Shaw, Shaw, basically he barely played in, in Rockford at all. He basically was put in the lineup almost day one. He is a rookie. I played there for half a year. He's still pretty good. I'd say Saad too. I don't don't consider that development though. You play for four months in in the AHL. I don't consider that development. I consider that just a stop until you can find some place to put him in the lineup. Basically, it's all or not. It's feast or famine. Yeah. You don't see see Brandon Saad playing a season and a half in Rockford and then coming up. That's not really what's going on here. The question is, what players have we developed in Rockford who are full-time NHL Blackhawks now? None. Right. Although you have, uh, you know, Philip Deneau, who's a full-time Montreal Canadian. That's a damn shame. Yeah. Tell me he wouldn't look good in in the Blackhawks as like a third-line center. Never gave him a shot. Right. You know? No, they didn't give him a shot. Uh, you know they they hung on to uh, they they hung on to Mike Marcus Kruger probably a little too long because he got injured, and Dano could have you know been a better version of Marcus Kruger because he could actually score and and play offense. He could have been a little bit better version of Marcus Kruger, and then and they sent him for Dale Weeson, Thomas Fleischman, two fourth line players. You know, it almost uh, seems like they just they overcorrected from the guys that they drafted before: Jack Skilly, Kyle Beach, Dylan Olson. These like top ten picks. Mark um, McNeil. Yeah, they brought him into the NHL quickly, and they burned out. And they're like, okay, well, we just have to have them in Rockford forever. And then they drafted these other guys like McNeil and Philip Deneau and other guys, and they never brought them up. So it's like you, you screwed up all of those guys' careers. You, don't have to have, you have to have something in the middle where it's like you get a few years here, and you have to keep promoting these guys and making, making sure there's always a carrot in front of them instead of just letting them sit there and 
you know, Mark McNeil gets 50 or 60 points in a year and they're like, no, no, we're not going to call you up for another three years. It doesn't make sense. You know, you have to give him incentives. Or have a to plan, me, which I don't seem to have. Well, to me, it's kind of a chicken or the egg thing because I, I don't think that Bowman's drafted that well either. I mean, I just – I think oh, that really? – um, I thought all these people were telling us that Stan Bowman has drafted extremely well. Uh, yeah, but those people are idiots. Um, yeah, like Kirby Doc was was gift wrapped and handed to them. Well, yeah, I mean you can't you you can't miss with a number three overall. If you miss with think, a number three overall, tell Sam Barker that. <laughs> but but I think that you know I just I just feel like it, it 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 there may be a development issue, but I think there also may be a a uh, an amateur scouting issue. Um, um, and it, it just, it just, again, it, it just seems like Bowman always goes for the same type of players um, that um, I think they have longer odds of succeeding because they're, they're physically deficient. They, you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're guys who, are, who clearly are talented and can make plays at lower levels where you could get away with that more if you're, if you're a smaller player. Um, and um Sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't, you know, but probably the one guy who's the best example of somebody that Bowman drafted who came to the NHL ready to play in the NHL was Brandon Sott. And he's, he's a, he's a, he's a physical specimen, you know, they were handed him too, because it was like a second round pick. So many people passed him over as well. The entire yeah, NHL that, passed him over. That was a good pick. I mean, mm-hmm. He, you know, I, I think he's, he, he hasn't turned out to be the next Marion Hosa, which is just, I had a, a Twitter conversation with, with somebody about that. I mean, and that was Pierre Maguire running his mouth, you know, way back when he's not, that, that's so, it was so unfair to Saad to make that comparison, Yeah, but he was a really good two-way forward who can play in your top six and he can score some goals and, and, you know, he can, he can play any way you want to play. I mean, they need more guys like him, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, anyway. To yeah. this day, I still will say the biggest miss, in my opinion, in the Bowman era has been not drafting Jake Ottinger at 26, trading back, and drafting Henry Yoki Hardy. Jake Ottinger came out of Boston University, played a couple years in the AHL. And you now know Juliana's ears are perking up right now. <laughs> and where is he right now? In the bubble sitting on the bench with the Dallas stars and he's going to be their starting goaltender probably next year. And you know what would have lined up perfectly? Corey Crawford moving on and Jake Ottinger taking the net. That's a team with a plan and net where you look, you have to look, you have to forecast forward. What is going to, you know, how long is it going to take to develop a player and and make that fit in the Blackhawks haven't done any of that. You know, uh, you know, Wooter Peters and uh, Alex Gravel are the goalies that they've drafted recently. And then the kid, uh, Dominic Bassey, who, who knows, maybe in four years, he might, you know, they might be able to bring him in the system. But he, I, I, is he going to be the starter for the Chicago Blackhawks in four years? I don't think so. You know, Aaron, the, the system somewhere, but yeah. Aaron, the, gotta, the, go ahead. I was going to say, you got a better chance that Tommy Aubin is their, uh, <laughs> their starting goalie uh, coming up in the next three three seasons, the free agent goalie that signed with the, the Ice Hogs out of D three. You know, Aaron, Aaron, the point that um, that you just made about whiffs and misses in the draft. I mean, it's interesting because um, I've been keeping my eye on a little bit every once in a while on Noah Dobson because he was the guy that I wanted them to take 
um, the, when they, the year they took Boquist and, and the Islanders got him three picks later. And uh, I, I noticed that, you know, the, they, the Islanders, I believe, had him up a couple of times in the regular season. But he wasn't – He I think he was a black ace, but he, he didn't play at all in the playoffs for them or the play-in, rather. I'm not, I'm not sure if they even made the playoffs. But um, uh, it, it was interesting to me because he's they've hyped him a lot, and yet they're not rushing him along. You know, they're not forcing him into a top-pairing role, which Boquist clearly was not ready for, you know. And I, I, I wonder if, you know, that's going to be another one of those things where because the Islanders could take a little more time with their guy – and, um, you know, get him ready and, and bring him in. And he's also a guy who's got, he's got tons of skill, but he's also got the size, um, you know, where he, he might end up being a better NHL defenseman than Boquist all around. And that'll be another one that on, on Bowman's, on Bowman's scorecard. Um, well, look, there's the, Evan, there was Evan Bouchard too. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say, look in that draft, 2018. Evan Bouchard. The, outside of Darlene, obviously you got Bouchard and Dobson, who are the biggest dudes in the top 10 or top 15. They're not up yet after a few years. Right. And the smallest guys are up. you got Boquist and you got Quinn Hughes. And Quinn Hughes is a special player. Yes. Right. Just right. like Hale McCarr. Those guys are special. Those are guys you drop into the lineup. You're not going to see a lot of those. Like the Blackhawks, that's part of what, what, what's wrong with this fan base is the, the Blackhawks are feeding uh, the fan base this dinner, like Adam Bolquist is Quinn Hughes or Adam Bolquist is Kale McCarr. And he's not, uh, you have to be real with, you know, you have to be real with people. You, you hype these people up and when they come in and they don't produce like Quinn Hughes or like Kale McCarr and their top two defensemen right when they're dropped into the NHL, then everyone goes sour on them because you, this guy must be a bust because he isn't, you know, Quinn Hughes is what you told us he was. Right. Instead of being realistic, with you know, this guy's going to take time to develop. This guy's, you know, he's on a different track than some of these other players. Just be honest and real with people. You know what? Nowadays, people want to be, you know, they want to be fed real information, honest information. And unfortunately, the Blackhawks don't want to do that. They're afraid of doing that. They think the fans, they don't, they, they think they can buffalo the fans by telling them nonsense. But the fans, the fans perpetuate it because they keep buying into this nonsense year after year. When it's, whoa, we could make, anything could happen. We could make the playoffs. So what? You make the playoffs, you get absolutely steamrolled by a legitimate team like Vegas. That's what we said was going to happen. And they okay. drop seven spots in the draft because of right. it. Right. And, but that's the problem. And so, you know, the, so Boquist has been rushed on now. The question becomes, is it going to hurt him long run or is it going to help him long run? I, I would like to think, based upon the way he – seemed to respond and took and seemed to be taking responsibility when he really screwed up a couple of times in, in the Vegas series. Um, but, but time will tell if, if it's going to be good for his development or if, or if it's not going to be good for his development, if he's going to get discouraged and get down on himself, you know? Yeah, I, I see that guy ducking out of hits. It's just, I think it's going to be negative. Well, honestly, I mean, Quinn Hughes is going to probably duck out of hits too, because just because of their size, their physical size, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna crap on the guy just yet, uh, because maybe he's never gonna be a physical guy. Neither. It, it's very possible he may not be a physical he's guy, not gonna, and that doesn't he's mean not, that he's gonna he's be a bad Carlson. player. He said when he got drafted, "I'm three years away." Yes, right. that was three years ago. Well, yeah, in the NHL, two years. You ago. can't. You you can't tell. You can't tell a fan base that 
just drafted you eighth overall that you're five years away. You just can't do that. Five. He said, yeah, I'm a few years away. I'm small. I need to develop. I need to get the North American game. Oh, yeah. And, and he, he was open about yeah. it. That's why he dropped from three to eight. Some five other teams took chances on other guys. He was three all year, and he dropped five spots on draft night. That doesn't just happen. Yeah. He had concussion it, issues, and he needed – it was a project. That's it. It's and, one of these high-risk, high-reward things. This, and, I, and that's what I kind of see a lot of with Bowman is, like, he did it with Dabrinkit. Even though Dabrinkit was, you know, later, much later in the, in the draft, and a lot of people had passed him over. It's kind of like, well, if this guy really works out in the NHL, he could be a huge reward. He could be a steal. Uh, but he's got some deficiencies he's going to have to overcome. And we see a lot of that with, with, with this with the way Stan, he tries to get these value picks, which these guys, if they really work out, it's going to look great to me, or it's going to look great to the NHL. And I'm going to look like I've stolen these players. Like for a while, they were saying that about Alex to Now he seems to be coming down to earth. Now Dominic Kubalik has pretty much passed him as the sniper on the power play. And you know, the goal score uh, and, and he's bigger and he's got a better shot. And now what's, what do you do with $64 million for the next three years? They definitely stole him. Yeah, fast. Yeah, that was, that was great. That was a trade, though, and it was out of Europe. That's, that's where the Blackhawks excel, Europe. They seem to find guys, and they're able to talk agents from Europe into signing with the Blackhawks, whether it's Dominic Cahoon, who it was what he was, or it's Artemi Panarin, or it's Dominic Kubalik. Now, Dominic Kubalik was a little different because they got his rights from the Kings. But, you know, there had to be some kind of agreement in there, or there had to be some kind of talk with his agent before they acquired him, saying, hey, you know, if, if we get your rights, are you going to sign with us? Because I, I, I just can't think for the life of me that, that, that Sam Bowman's going to trade for a player who he doesn't know if the, the guy's going to sign with the organization. So, I don't have an issue with that, though. If, if their thing is, hey, we draft European or we trade or acquire European players and develop them, I don't have a problem with that. The Nashville Predators only draft defensemen and develop them. That's their thing. And then they look elsewhere for forwards um, and kind of store by all of, all of those players. So if that's their thing, you know, what, what are you wasting your time with your high picks? Trade them. If you got European guys coming in and you can trade for other players, go for it. But the fact of the matter is they can't develop their own guys and they need to find out a way to utilize those picks better. Yeah. That's that's where we go back all the way back to the general manager thing. You need to have some people and they've done some reshuffling. We talked about it last time. They've done some shuffling in the back office. So hopefully maybe this changes some of the, you know, the player development. I'm not too optimistic, but they see something somewhere where they're deficient. They had to rearrange things a little bit and, uh, you know, they need to be able to develop players. I would want to see, again, I've, I say it over and over and over again. I would like to see a guy like Mark Hunter come in, be a GM that is known for developing young players. The Blackhawks, if they want to be successful and they want to go back to be able to win Stanley Cups, they're going to have to be able to develop young players. Whether it's through, you know, Indy, into Rockford, into, you know, the Blackhawks system. It can't just be, we drafted you uh, 12 months ago. Now we're throwing you into the pro lineup. And... Maybe you're going to do all right. Maybe you're going to be Adam Boquist in your first year and you're going to have a lot of growing pains. We don't know. You can just kind of just throw you out there and throw you to the wolves and either you learn or you get eaten by the wolves. I think there's That's also, not developing. I think there's also something to be said for if you don't like what the board's giving you, trade down. Another team might like that pick. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. If you well, that's high- what happened with Ottinger. 
I don't think so, though. I mean, like, they knew that their guy was Yoki Haru, and they knew the next guy wasn't going to go, wasn't going to pick Yoki Haru. So that's why they dropped two spots. But that's not not what I'm talking about. I think they got, like, a sixth-round pick or fifth-round pick for dropping two slots. It wasn't much. But I'm saying if you have a high first-round pick or if you have a second, get assets. Get a few thirds. Like, if you don't like where you're at, trade down. Don't just miss on the pick because you don't have anyone there. Well, that, that's their problem is when they get to the third, fourth round, who, who do they ever draft that ever equates to anything? Nothing. I mean, you could have five third-round draft picks, but if, you, if you're bad at drafting in the third round or fourth round, what good does it have in those picks? That's their problem is that they don't, they don't they're drafting okay in the first round if you're, if you're gift-wrapped. Uh, a Kirby Doc or something, but other than that, they're just you know they are what they are. Henry Okuharo, I still think he was he's going to be an okay player in the NHL, but they let him go. I mean, Tevu, they let him go, and it seems like any decent person they or any decent player they draft in the first round ends up getting traded for something or or to bail them out of some other garbage that they got themselves you know some spider web that they got themselves into uh, by you know signing guys too long for too much money. And it's the same thing would happen with, you know, Seabrook. It happened with Bickle. It, like, they got themselves into this situation, and then they have to bail themselves out of it by trading whatever one decent player they have in their system away just to get themselves out of it. They don't even get really anything out of it other than, like, cap space, which doesn't sh- it doesn't show on the ice five years later. What did you get for Tavi Teravainen? You got nothing. And he's starting for Carolina. You know, he's one of the better playmaking forwards in the NHL, and you got nothing. You just got rid of a guy who you paid too much money to for too long. And, you know, I know he got sick. I understand that. But at the time, that was not the case. The time was he was declining, and they didn't know why, and he wasn't able to score. And they had to get themselves out of it. That's the same thing that's going on with Brent Seabrook right now. They signed a guy for too long for too much money, and now they're going to have to get themselves out of it, which now I don't think they can get themselves out of it. You'd have nope. to trade Kirby Doc to get themselves out of it. So, anyway, all right, let's let's not belabor that point too long. Um, we could talk about the the irrational hate of. Uh, I know I know we're running a little bit late here, but we could talk about the irrational hate of uh, uh, Alimata because this is going to be the off season coming up, and we've kind of talked about a little. But they have a lot to do. They have to resign Kubalik. They have to figure out what they're going to do with Dylan Strom. I think he's out the door. Um, you know, they've got some free agents. They got uh, Kajula they need to get signed in and uh, a couple of players. They need to figure out what they're going to do in net. Uh, Corey Crawford's going to cost you some money. Uh, but, the you know, it's been like this all season. The fans say, well, we'll we're going to easily fix this cap problem by buying out Ali Mata. Okay. So, again, this is something else that we just talked about, which is they're going to go out and they're going to, they're going to overcorrect something by buying a player out who's actually pr- pretty useful in your system because you got yourself into a bad situation. Now you're going to overcorrect and you're going to buy him out. And what? He's going to go sign a lower contract with someone on our team and probably be a good PK guy or a good, you know, middle, you know, uh, what, four, five, six guy and someone else's team. Yeah. The future of the Blackhawks does not ride on Olimata. Okay. Let's just be clear about that. However, yeah. If you are a team that is serious about getting in the playoffs and advancing in the playoffs, Olimata has been a good playoff player for the most part, except his last year in Pittsburgh, where he, he came back from an injury and did, did not play well. 
but he's been a good playoff player and he was a good playoff player for the Blackhawks this year. I mean, he um, actually was one of their better defensemen um, in these playoffs. And um, the guy keeps it simple. He's a, he's a good defensive defenseman and the Hawks don't have a lot of those. Um, and, and, you know, guys will block shots and, you know, do the dirty work. Um, so if you're planning on being in the playoffs and, and, and going somewhere in the playoffs, you need guys like him. Um, the, the other issue is going back to something Aaron was talking about. Um, and, and Gate, you were talking about, gosh, if I, you know, here's another problem with, with, with Bowman's $6.4 million a year to, to break it. If I'm uh, Dominic Kubelik's agent, that, that's where the conversation starts. You know, I, I don't think it's going to happen just because of the way the cap is, but I, I see where you're at. I could definitely nope. see him saying, Hey, I want five or five and a half, which is still a lot of money. Right. I mean, when I say starts, it means it's the negotiation. It's probably going to come down from there, especially because he's, he's RFA if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He is. But um, yeah, but, but the point is uh, they've gotten themselves into a little bit of a pickle there with that situation. Um, you know, stands, uh, <laughs> stands out and negotiate himself before he even started. Um, so about him it, can someone um, offer sheet him yeah yeah i mean that's what rfa is they can't offer sheet him if you uh, want you, depending on what depending on what the, the you know there's going to be yeah the blackhawks will qualify offer him but uh th- that's just to keep his rights and, and to be able to you know not walk away from him you can uh, poison the qualifying off, offer by making it high enough that it, it becomes harder for the other team to sign the guy that they have to give up more compensation but then the problem is you got to pay him. You got to pay him the the the. the a la Weber. Qualifying offer is what. Yeah, a la Shea Weber. If you're a right. team like Florida, and you offer the guy six million dollars, you have to give up a first and a second. Who cares? You just got a thirty goal scorer. Yeah, you know a team that could use a scoring right wing like him, big time. <laughs> got, Why not? They have the money, and they, they have the money. Up. They've they got the capital. All right, yeah, our Tommy Panarin all over again. Well, he was scoring left winger. I know. But, I mean, the point yeah. is, I think I, you never know. It, it, stranger things have happened. That yeah, might I don't... be the worst thing to happen for the Hawks if they get a first and a second for him. I mean, obviously you want to build around him, but if you can't afford him right now, take the <laughs> and, we, and we just talked about how bad they are at drafting. <laughs> yeah. Better so the problem is in order to get those picks in compensation, you have to make a qualifying offer that the Hawks may not be able to afford to pay. Yeah, just that's the problem. Well, the qualifying offer for the Blackhawks is going to be, it's only like 110% of what he makes. Now, that's a qualifying offer just, just to re- retain that part. Then, then they're going to actually have to uh, go talk to his agent and actually get a real deal. Uh, right. But yeah. I believe the compensation that they get for a player who's offer sheeted and signed is tied to the, the, the amount of the qualifying offer. Well, the offer sheet, it's tied to the offer sheet offer back to the back to Kubelik. So if, uh, if, if Tampa or whoever, we'll just say whoever, we'll just use Tampa Bay as an example. If they come in and say, I want to give him a three-year deal, uh, $6 million a year. So $18 million. Then that is what the compensation is based on that. You know, what, what his um, cap hit is per year. So you look up, Six million dollars, whatever that compensation is, that's like a first and a second or something like that. And the team, yeah, the the team that um, makes the 
actual offer sheet has to have their own picks. So let's say the Blackhawks had right. Dallas's first round pick and they made an offer sheet to a player, but they don't have their own first round pick. They can't do that. The, the Blackhawks have to have their own first round pick and be able to, to be able to do that. So it's a little complicated, but it can be done. And if you have like, say Colorado, who may have a little bit of room, I don't think they're going to, because like after that, they're going to have to sign, you know, they have a whole bunch of players coming up in like two years that they're going to have to sign. But so I don't think they're going to be able to do that, but they could do something like, you know, Taylor Hall for a year. They could do that. They, you know, that the Yankees Red Sox thing where they come in with a super team just, you know, for one year. Uh, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of how that goes. I don't know that there's going to be offer sheets with the short off season in the flat cap. I think the Blackhawks might luck out in, in that category. And I'm just thinking, you know, off the top of my head, but I think they may luck out on that one. Uh, so unfortunately, the, the salary and what he's going to be worth, they may not luck out on. Yeah. So, so two to four million is a second. Four to six million is a first and a third. Six to eight million, and this is average salary. Um, six to eight million dollars is a first, a second, and a third. And he's not going to make more than that, so it doesn't matter. So it looks like if the guy makes between four and six average salary, a first and a third round pick. That's not bad for a 24-year-old goal scorer. You can sign him for five years. 30 goal scorer. Why not? Especially if you're a team that, that, that drafts, you know, uh, later in the first round. Correct. Say you've got, you know, your, your first-round draft pick is 23. Who cares? Right. Like, you get a guy, you, you're getting better than what you're probably going to get at 23 anyway. And who, who cares about the third? The third is just a throw in. So I, I would think that, you know, you're not going to get a 30 goal score in the, you know, in the mid twenties, you may, but the chances are a lot lower that you're going to get a 30 goal score in the mid twenties of the first round. So if you're a team like, you know, that, you know, wants to win now has been, you know, went far in the playoffs. You got the 25th overall pick. Sure. It almost reminds me of what Green Bay did to Chicago with Kyle Fuller. They gave him an offer sheet. He's a, you know, decent cornerback. Um, and it put the Bears in a really bad position. And they're like, all right, we either have to sign this guy and spend this money, or they go to or he goes to our rival, um, and they have the money and they don't care. And Green Bay's like, all right, if they sign him, then we put him in an even worse position. So I wouldn't be surprised if somebody within the division um puts an offer sheet on them and you know. What if Colorado does it? What if St. Louis does it? Someone who has the money. Um, that's, well, St. I mean, Louis is going to need a goal scorer because now uh, Tarasenko hurt his shoulder again. I don't know. It's just those kind of players are pretty hard to find. I mean, we found out Kubalik is the real deal. The guy can score, you know, from inside the circles. He can score at the front of the net. He cleans up trash. Um, you know, he's a great passer. And, and allegedly he's pretty fast. Those guys don't grow on trees. <laughs> That's slow. And most of the time, those guys are locked up. They don't wait till yeah. the end, till the end of their contract to negotiate. So someone can easily swoop in and do a little Sebastian Ajo deal and say, "Hey, come on over to our team, and um, we'll give a first and a third, of course." Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, all right, let's kind of wrap this up with some questions so we can get out of here. I did get a, a last minute question too that I will throw in. Uh, because there's going to be a lot going on with the, with the playoffs ending and then you know free agency and all that stuff, so it's gonna it's gonna hit pretty quick. Uh, we're gonna try to be you know have more of these 
more often, probably, hopefully on a weekly basis. We're going to take a little bit of a break again because we kind of got thrown in. Uh, but anyway, so questions. Chuck Bessler, he sent this in a couple weeks ago. Um, he said, you guys are always talking about how, how the Hawks need to get bigger, more physical players. I agree with that. But don't you think you need fast players too? And what having fast yeah. players that are willing to be even are willing to be physical if they're not the biggest, make the Hawks a physical team since the speed of these players would allow the Hawks to be uh, to more frequently initiate contact with the opponent instead of uh, the other way around. That's kind of what I said earlier about maybe, maybe we don't say physical. We may just say stronger uh, players who aren't going to bail on hits all the time. I mean, players who are going to go harder than that, who aren't going to be perimeter players. The Blackhawks are never going to win a Stanley cup with a bunch of perimeter players. Right. What it comes down to, what it comes down to is, is there's so much of the game is 50, 50 pucks and, and, you know, muscling along the wall, especially in the playoffs. And I, I mean, broken record. I know I've been saying this over and over for years, but it's true. And really that's the metric you got to have is what it takes to win in the playoffs. And also, you know, willingness to go into the, into, into the, the crease, or excuse me, into the slot to do business in the slot and take the knocks that come with it. And I just, listen, I didn't play hockey at a high level by any stretch of the imagination, but in, when I did play, um, you know, I mean, if you had big guys and big guys who could skate and, and you knew you were going to get, if you didn't keep your head up, you were going to get laid out. Um, that, that makes such a big difference. I mean, in terms of the, the tone of the game and the space that you have to give the other team when they've got that. And, um, you know, um, so it's both you need, you, you don't need big guys who can't skate. That's, that's worthless. You need the big you mean, guys. Who you mean like Zidane Chara? Right. right. <laughs> no, you need the big guys who can skate and play, you know, and, yeah. uh, uh, it's, it's, um, it, it's, it's all that, but it, definitely the big guys who can skate and play are, are going to give you an advantage versus the small guys who can skate and play. And if you look at the teams that win Stanley cups, they have a lot of those big guys who can skate and play. Look, look at the difference between Victor Svedberg, who was huge. He was a big dude and Brent Seabrook. Brent Seabrook was big, strong. He was going to lay you out. He could skate. All right. In his day. Now, yep. this is not Brent Seabrook today. This is Brent Seabrook 2010, 2013. He could skate. He could hit you. He's not going to shy away. He's going to clear the front of the crease. That's, that's a big, physical, strong player. Victor Svedberg was just a big guy. He was a big guy. He wasn't really super physical. He could hit you a couple. But he could hit you a little bit, but didn't play that he game. Big. He was big, and he wasn't going to be much more than that. He was a big guy who didn't play big. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. And there are small guys who play big too, you know, are really yep. valuable players. And it's, it's, I think that's the analogy you're really looking for, Gate. It's, it's, it's not, it is not so much just sheer size, but it's guys being willing to play big. All that said, generally speaking, playing big comes easier to bigger guys. Yeah. So. You know who's a big guy who plays big, who's coming into the league for the Red Wings? Moritz Sider. Oh, yeah. Watch out. That guy's nasty. Huh. Yeah, that, that may turn out to be a huge pick for Stevie Eisman. At the time, everyone was like, what? Who? But, not, you know, and they're developing him. You know, my, my piece on that kind of bigger um, forward group, bigger players, stronger players, just look at the last group of Stanley Cup winners. Take the Blackhawks out of that equation in the last 10 years. Blues, Capitals, Penguins, Kings, Bruins, 
they're big, nasty guys who can play through four rounds of, you know, hits into the glass. Taking and giving. It's not just Colton giving. Colton Franco, Ryan O'Reilly, yeah. Vince Dawn. At some point, it was Joel Edmondson, like in St. Louis. I loved all those guys. Oh, Petro, players. I mean, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Petro, the other, the other good-sized defenseman they've got has been around. Colton Pareko. Bullmeister. I mean, Pareko. I mean, they, they, they had huge defense, huge, mm-hmm. and they were good. Um, yeah, it's, it's um, yeah. You can't be all of one type of player. You need a mix, and you need to find that right mix, and the Blackhawks need to find that right mix. You can't just be run and gun. You cannot be the run and shoot offense. The run and shoot offense didn't work in its day. It, it, it looked nice, but it never won any Super Bowls. Uh, because you know, when it, it's the same thing in football, like it just when it came down to, to you know that physical play in the playoffs, it just didn't never held up. And it's you know, Aaron, the same will, way here, Aaron. I will add though that you don't really need to take the Blackhawks out of it. The 2010 Blackhawks had a lot of big guys, that's true. That's true. They did. I mean, they had Ben Eager, Troy Brower, Andrew Ladd, um, Dustin Bufflin, and those guys were all- Matt Walker, Brent Sopel. <laughs> Matt Walker. But, I mean, they, but, had, they, they had a lot of size up front. They had a lot of physical players. I mean, John Madden, not a real big guy, but a guy who was willing to play physically. Oh, I love John Patrick Madden. Sharp. Patrick Sharp, another guy not real big, but he was willing to play physically. Jonathan Taves. I mean, so they, they, they did it. That's, that's really not an exception, that team. Yeah. Yeah, I love John Madden. John Madden was one of those guys, you just look at him and you're scared of him. Like, he could kick my ass at any point in time, and he looks like he's ready to kick my ass at any point in time. That look on his face, like... We could probably still hook that up. Yeah, he, he just, he's tough as hell. Tough as nails. And that's what I really liked about John Madden. I was a huge fan of John Madden. You know, I know he's a fourth-line player and everything, but he just, like, did all the things you want a fourth-line center to do. Yeah. So, yeah. Um... So that Chuck, thanks for sending the question. He sends in some email questions from time to time. Craig Carlson, the guy who corresponds with me a lot on Twitter and Facebook. Assuming the Blackhawks let Strong go and give his money to pay Kubalik, who do you see a second or third line center with Doc, uh, either through trade, free agency, Rockford? Is there someone you'd like to see with the Hawks try at that spot? That's the problem. They don't have a lot of players. And there's, you know, that, that sucks because they don't have some guy. I mean, Philip Kurashev maybe i don't know uh we we don't know i mean he's he's a middle six forward in in rockford so what can you realistically expect from him i don't know um you guys what do you guys what do you guys say i can't i mean it's it's the old catch 22 i mean you start buying guys out but if you got to replace them you either got to be able to to bring guys up from your ahl team or ready to play or you're going to have to go out of free agency and then you've defeated the purpose of buying those guys out. And they can't afford to go into free agency and buy anyone, you know, that's not, a, you know, taking a huge discount. Unfortunately, Aaron, you got any thoughts on that? Yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be Kirby doc playing 2C. I think Stan Bowman yeah. and says, Hey, why, why do I have to have Dylan Strom around if I got Curry doc and we think he's ready and et cetera, et cetera. So I say they trade his Dylan Strom's rights, and you might be able to get a second-round pick. You might be able to get a first-round pick. Who knows? A team's desperate for a, a solid um, former first-round top-five pick. Um, there are already GMs out there, so. Yeah, so you can, you can get uh, some picks for him or maybe um, another uh, player that needs a change of scenery again. 
another recycled pick. But yeah, so I, I think it's going to be a lot easier for them to um, either bring up somebody from Rockford for that third line or, um, you know, just sign somebody off the market to fill in the bottom six. A guy that I like, I saw who uh, has a little bit of snarl to him. And, and granted, Andrew Shaw could play third line center for this team if he's able to play again. He's but, a great faceoff guy. Uh, you know, on the third line, he's not going to kill you as a center, but really that's not what you want long-term. That's, that's just, a, you know, filling a hole temporarily. But a guy who I think has a little bit of snarl and could be potentially, you know, someday maybe like a Dave Bowen type shutdown third line center could, and it, it will take time and there's going to need to be development. Evan Barrett from out of Penn State who the Blackhawks signed. He's, he looks, he, he's a tough guy. He likes to get into people's heads. He uh, plays that, you know, that mental game with the opponents. Uh, sometimes it gets them into trouble, gets them into penalty problems, but that's kind of what Dave Bowen was. Um, I'm kind of hoping that maybe he can turn into that player, but I'm not going to say that's what he's definitely going to be. That's what I'd like to see. That's what I'm hoping for. And there's no guarantee on that. So maybe Evan Barrett, but he's she probably should spend a full year in Rockford. I agree. I don't think it's going to be next year. I think he's got talent. I think he plays with an edge and he finishes checks. He's going to be a great player. He's going to be a good Hawk, um, but not next year. Yeah. Uh, last one. If you guys are not last one, second to last one. If you guys had one day to do anything you wanted with this team, what would you do? Well, anyone who follows my Twitter account, uh, I went, uh, I did an NHL uh, 12, uh, 21 season or NHL 20 season where I basically traded anyone that I could get anything for uh, not other than, you know, Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane and uh, Duncan Keith, but anyone that I could get rid of for draft picks. And I just stocked up on draft picks and I went through the draft and I just drafted a bunch of people. I ended up getting, you know, a whole bunch of young defensemen. Uh, you know, you got to break it. I think you got to break it down. Uh, you got to pull the scab off or pull the bandaid off and rip the scab off or whatever. And uh, you know, it's going to hurt. Uh, otherwise you're going to nitpick at the edges and you're never going to really get anywhere unless you really get lucky with a couple more Kubelik-type players. Uh, you, you're going to have to do something painful. And especially this year with, you know, the capping where it's at, you have to find money somewhere if you want to upgrade. Otherwise, it's the same team. It's the definition of insanity. I know that's the oldest cliche. The definition of insanity, if you come back with the same team next year, you're going to get the same results. The Blackhawks did not qualify for the playoffs. This was a special circumstance. They were handed a gift with making this, you know, having this qualifying round thing. If the season didn't end with COVID-19, the Blackhawks were, were going to end their season the first week in April, and they were going to be on the golf course. And they were going to draft 10th overall or whatever, 10th, 11th, 9th, something like that. And you, you have to make changes. Otherwise, it's going to be the same thing next year. And if you buy out Alimata – and you throw whatever, Lucas Carlson, uh, Ian Mitchell, whatever, you're going backwards. I'm sorry, you're going backwards for a year. And the same with the Blackhawks goaltending situation. I would have signed, signed Robin Leonard. They should have done that. They didn't do it. Now you may have Corey Crawford, who you could hope and pray that he doesn't get hurt and doesn't get another concussion. But this would, is you know, a lot of question marks. If, they, if the Blackhawks would, would – just come clean and say, look, we're going to go with young guys. We're going to play young guys and we're going to give them experience. And, but, but, but the problem is they can't do that. And they can't, they can't say that. And then in the, in the same breath say, 
but we're gonna we're gonna try to make the playoffs. But I would actually I would actually appreciate it if they would say, you know what, screw the playoffs. If we get there, great. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna try to really develop some young guys now. Um, I'd be okay with that. But the, I, the problem is I don't think even the organization is okay with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at what the Rangers did. They came out and said it. Hey, guys, it's gonna hurt. Hey. We're gonna go out and we're gonna build hey. some. We're going to get some young players. We're going to build a team. And look, at they're looking like they're in a pretty good position to start competing soon. They got an answer in net. They got good young defensemen. They've got Artemi Panarin plus a lot of, you know, young forwards like Capococco. They, I think the, the Rangers went the right path. And they, they're, going to build, they're, going to, they're going to have a more robust team because of it. You forgot to say they have the number one pick. Well, that too, yeah. That was a gift as well. They got the number, you know, two and number one. Uh, so, anyway, Aaron, you're still uh, you don't have a camera on. Anyway, yeah, my computer's out of juice. I had to run out the other side of the room. But um, oh, okay, I got you. No if worries. I had one day to do something with the Blackhawks. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about Jeremy Colleton, but I I don't like his post game conferences. You can tell he's kind of like ticked off. And he can't get through the players and it's hard, you know, they're not in a rebuild, but like they should be. And I think he got thrown to the wolves just as much as a lot of these players do. And I I still think that it's not really that fair for him. It's not a good situation. He probably should have still been in Rockford, but I would just, I don't know what to do, but I feel like it's just not a good fit for that guy on this team at this moment. And it's almost stunting his growth as a young coach. Like, yeah years old and he's trying to tell you know Brent Seabrook what to do and Brent Seabrook is like yeah I'm not going to the bubble I didn't tell anybody it just seems like he's not getting that much respect from the old guys and I don't know how much buy-in he's getting from the young guys because he really wasn't with them for too long a lot of them um in Rockford so if I could do anything I would just say press the reset button on the coaching staff you know we talk about the GM all the time Get a, get a new coaching staff in there. There's so many names out there um, of available coaches. You don't, you don't want a guy who's been recycled 50 times, like Tippett or something, but I don't know. Just, I, I, don't, I don't see them coming together as a group a lot. We, we've, I've heard you guys talk about a lot about the separation in the locker room of the really young guys and the really old guys, and I, I just don't think they have enough of those 25-year-old, not a rookie, but kind of getting into their prime, kind of like what Vegas has. And Brandon Saad. Just yeah, it just doesn't make sense to me with Jeremy Colton there. It's like these guys aren't rebuilding and they're not motivated to to do bigger things. So I'd I'd probably pre- press the reset button on on him and his staff. Well, I guarantee if you get rid of the GM, you'll get rid of the coach. Yeah, basically they're doing what they're doing to Jeremy Colton what they did to Adam Polkvist. <laughs> One year of development and. Be damned if we're not going to throw you in the NHL and just figure it out on the on the way. I think it's a lot worse with Jeremy Colleton because guess what? He took over for the second most winningest coach in, in hockey ever. So, mm-hmm. right, yeah. agreed. Good luck. Yeah, and, and he was a fan favorite, so I, I don't think that was an easy position for him. No. To not at yeah. all. Uh, my boy Billy Terrell. Big, badass Billy Terrell from Twitter said, just, just texted me with like five questions. So I'm going to read them all. And then we're going to get out of here. Um, uh, he said, uh, how long is Colleton's leash next season? Which I can't, we're, we're kind of really talking about anyway. I don't know. I mean, if Stan Bowman's around, I think he's going to have, I think they're going to keep around for at least the entire season, unfortunately. 
Um, he beat Conor. I, I don't agree with it. Of course, he's going to be around. <sighs> they see that as a win. I'm sorry. I know they do. I know they do. You're completely right. They do see it as a win, even though they they have to they have to pull away the layers and look at it, um, because they got completely outcoached and outclassed in uh, against Vegas. So, um, yeah. Um, he also said uh, with Pia Suter, Pia Suter, uh, do the Hawks buy out Zach Smith, sign Crawford and Kubalik, and even Strom? Is ten million enough? Um, I think Zach Smith is a possibility because you could lose a Zach Smith. Uh, I don't know that it helps you out that much because you're still going to have his cap hit. You're going to still have half of his cap hit uh, on the cap, and he doesn't make that much money where it's going to – it's only like one, an extra million dollars. Um, I think the only guy who really would help you out is if you buy, buy out Ali Mata, but then that makes – we talked about that earlier. It makes the team worse. Uh, he actually asked, can they trade Mata? Sure, you could trade him. I mean, if you pull up his stats, you look at all that stuff, like he's a valuable uh, defenseman and he doesn't make $7 million a year. He makes four. So yeah, sure. There's a team out there who would want Ali Mata. I don't know what you get for him, but you could probably trade him. Again, it doesn't make the team any better though. It makes your team worse. So, Was Zach Smith hurt? I didn't see him out there. Yes. I don't know if he has like a concussion problem or what, but he never even went into camp. Uh, so something's up with him. I don't know if it's injury or what, but yeah. <laughs> so that's that. Uh, given his performance playoffs, da, da, da. Uh, do you build a team full of sods for the playoffs or DeBrinkets? I think you guys all know that answer. I want my Brandon sods. Sorry. Yeah. Give me some Kubelik's and some sods, some guys with some, you know, muscle on them, uh, guys with some size that can uh, – I mean, you know who's a player who, who likes to go to the net but isn't the biggest player in the world? Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's had a point in every single playoff game. I mean, that guy goes – that guy, he, he's just straight to the net. Like, yep. And he can snipe from the outside. I mean, he's an exceptional player. But, that, you know, that's the kind of players you want. I mean, I want a Nathan McKinnon on the Blackhawks. I want that. Uh, you know, Leon Dreisaitl, maybe he could score a lot from the perimeter, but you get in the playoffs, he didn't hardly score any. He had like one game where he had a hat trick, but other than that, he didn't do a whole lot against the Blackhawks, who have a pretty leaky defense. And yeah, so. I got a question. Yeah. John Jekyll, is Danny Wirtz good or bad for the Chicago Blackhawks? TBD, hard to say. Um because allegedly he's just kind of holding the seat until they. Yeah, he's a placeholder. I don't know. I don't know if I believe that either. I mean, it's they're playing their their cards close to the vest on this. I, I think that uh, really hard to it's really hard to predict. Um, you know which way it's going to go. I, I I find it difficult to believe that they're going to bring somebody in as a president above Bowman um, after having promoted everybody and and apparently they extended Bowman pretty recently. Because then you're, you know, you're, you're doing the thing that you're not supposed to do is you're saddling, you know, the new leader with, uh, you know, with a staff that they didn't pick, um, which the Hawks have been pretty good at, actually. But um, it's going to – it remains to be seen. I do think that moving McDonough out in the long run is probably a good thing. I think he his, his expiration date had passed. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that some of the problems they're dealing with today with regard to the contracts and the no-movement clauses – a lot of that goes back to him. His, his thumbprint was on those. And, 
So, um, but we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, getting McDonough out there was was a move in the right direction. They just have to, uh, you know, figure out what they're going to do. And I don't know. I mean, Rocky says that. I mean, when Rocky comes out and says that he, uh, Danny Wurtz isn't going to stick around in that position, I mean, that's that's something the Blackhawks, I think, say if that's what they mean. Uh, Maybe. You know, I, I think it would be the other way around. Like, they would say, oh, Danny Wurtz is, you know, he's the guy, we've handpicked him, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, behind the scenes, be like, hey, we're still looking for another guy. I think it would be rather they would lie to the <laughs> – they would lie and say that he was the guy rather than say, you know – he's not the guy and he's just holding a spot and he's keeping things together uh, until we can figure out what we're going to do. So here's one more for uh puck and hostile. What are the odds? Give me a percentage that the Chicago Blackhawks let Corey Crawford walk and say, Colin Dealey is our starting goaltender next year. Uh, 5%. <laughs> if that, I I don't think that's it. I don't think they even consider that as an option. Right but what now. if somebody comes at Crawford with like like five six million a year? Oh, that may be. But then they're going to go out and they're going to sign like, you know, Cam Ward or whatever. They're going to go out and send another guy to be their starter. They're not going to let uh, Colin Dealey be their starter. They're not going to throw him. You know, a guy with like what twenty NHL games, uh, who you know was good in the AHL, but uh, you know behind a team with a questionable defense. They're not just going to throw him. The, I don't. I can't see them just throwing him to the wolves because I, I'll be honest. I love Colin Delia, but the fans are going to hate him because he's going to get eaten alive. Right now, uh, you know, and and I don't want to see him get eaten alive. I want to see him in a backup role, play twenty five games, thirty games, uh, behind you know Corey Crawford or whatever. I would have re- preferred uh, Robin Leonard, but you know now it's going to probably be someone else because Leonard's not coming back, guys. Leonard is not coming back to the Blackhawks. I don't care what you read on on uh, that shithole website but Leonard's not coming back to the to the Blackhawks and he's probably not going anywhere but Vegas at this point in time uh he's not coming to Chicago no he's yeah he's not going to Toronto he's not you know all this stuff just wild scenarios you're hearing Robin Leonard's probably staying in Vegas uh I think with what DeBoer has done there he's pretty much played his card saying that he likes Robin Leonard he wants Robin Leonard to stay Robin Leonard wants to stay in Vegas and he's willing to take a reasonable deal five million dollars for a goalie is a reasonable deal that's not overpayment for a guy who's 28 29 years old that's that's a top 10 maybe top five goalie when he's on his game um they're going to have to figure out what to do with uh, Marc-Andre Fleury because they're not going to be able to keep him around and pay 12 million dollars in goalies oh right Blackhawks uh, but uh, yeah, so <clears throat> that's what's probably going to happen. I mean, the best you're going to get is like Anton Hudobin or, you know, if you bring in Holtby, it's going to be a mess. They're going to hate him. He's going to be Marty Turco. Same with Matt Murray. He's going to be Marty Turco. Like the, your best option right now is to get Corey Crawford back here for another year and hope he doesn't fall apart in his, his you know, and he ends up back in, you know, the dark room again. I don't know. If you're going to get a Cam Ward, why not just give it to Delia? That's my opinion. Because I think he's just going to get eaten alive and it's going to, you know, knock his confidence down. That's my all. I don't know. I mean, he's a good goalie and everything, but, you know, you get you facing 35 shots a game and you're losing, you know, four to two every night. Eventually it wears on you, especially if you haven't played in the NHL. It, uh, it could be that or it could be Matt Murray or it could be Jordan Bennington. You don't know. You don't well, know until you Jordan just put Bennington. 
Did you see Jordan Bington in the playoffs? <laughs> yeah, I'm just Have saying. You see Matt Murray in the playoffs? Like that's been, you don't want that. There's been success stories of guys getting thrown in there and, and you know figuring it out. But I understand what you're saying. I just yeah, think I, that, I don't think I, I think he's gonna. I think I think Delia's uh, ceiling is a good NHL backup goalie who could play. You know, be that one B guy. I think that's a ceiling, honestly. And I love Colin Delia. I love him to death. I'm the biggest fan in the world of him. But just that doesn't mean that I think he's going to be a, an NHL Hall of Famer either. I'm realistic about this. I, I think he's just, you know, a good backup goalie. I think he could have been the backup goalie this year um, had, had not been for Robin Leonard, you know, coming in. Uh, but Robin Leonard was an upgrade. Uh, you know, I so remember, was Crawford at this time. I remember the day. I think it was Cristobal Huey went down with an injury. I was at the game and they brought in Corey Crawford and I was like, Oh my God, this rookie's getting brought in. Like who the hell is this guy? And they, uh, he let in his like first shot on goal. Everyone's like, this is, here we go. You know, this, this goalie's going to suck and whatever, but you know, he hung in there and made some good saves and the rest is history. So you never know until you just let, yeah. him, let him grow up. fast. Well, Corey Crawford's one of those guys that got kind of screwed too, because uh, they signed Huey when Crawford was supposed to be the backup goalie and Huey came in and then played and he was terrible. Uh, I, I, I never liked the guy, but yeah, that's a whole nother thing altogether. That was a nice uh, Dale Talon signing. That was another reactionary thing because the guy was hot in the playoffs for one series. They signed him and thought he was going to be, you know, the savior. And uh, he was weak as hell. All right, I think we're done, guys. You we good? Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, so let's wrap this up. Uh, I don't have any huge plugs. Uh, Puckhockey.com. You see, I'm going to show you a shirt. Puckhockey.com. Uh, John's got the hat. Uh, I got the sticker here. You see it uh, in front of my face. Puckhockey.com. Go check them out. Uh, buy some gear. Uh, use the rank for your stuff. Uh, check out all of our writing at uh, www.thedashrank.com. Uh, all of our different divisions, uh, the rink official, the rink shy, the rink Colorado, which is where Aaron has been doing great work with his team, uh, the rink Columbus, the rink cast. Uh, I'm at Pocket Hostel. John's at Jekyll, J-A-E-C-K-E-L. Aaron does a lot of his tweeting at, at the rink Colorado, uh, but he also has his own Twitter account as well, Late in the Goldie. Uh, if you get a chance, head over to iTunes, rate, review us. Uh, I will read them on the air. If they're at least funny, if you're going to slam us, at least make it funny. Um, I'll read it on the air. If it's not funny, there's no use reading it on the air. It's just dumb then. Uh, uh, you got anything, John, you want to bring up? Got nothing. Good to be back. Yeah. yeah. Good to have you back. Uh, Aaron, you got anything? Yeah, just a quick shout-out to our team uh, in Colorado, JJ, Lucas, Jess, and Marie. Just so thankful we have a we built a really awesome team in Colorado a year into this process and I didn't think it was possible you know I I was begging these guys not to you know not let me cover the Blackhawks anymore but it's just been a lot of fun um, kind of building this up from the ground up and we passed uh, 500 Twitter followers this week so that was a really cool accomplishment for us you know we're not at the uh, levels of some fan-sided sites uh, of thousands of <laughs> followers but uh, you know, the people that do follow us are really great and there's a really good hockey community here. So shout out to them. And um, also shout out to sticker mule for hooking us up with the yeah. really great designs. So we, we love sticker mule.com. That's where we got our, our, our stickers from and, and they're reasonably priced and they're very good quality. 
I think I'll I do one plug, um, and I can't remember if we plugged Andy Campbell or not um, on our last we show. We did. We talked to him last time. We talked about him last time. But go, yeah, bring it up. Well, I mean, we just, you know, we 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 were tasked with the challenge of finding a replacement for for Mario Tirabasi to uh, provide our coverage in Rockford, and uh, Andy Campbell fell into our lap, and and uh, he's uh, he's a guy who's got a real strong hockey background. He played some in college on the East coast and uh, he's a, he's a good writer and um, he's going to, he's going to jump in and be our Rockford guy this year. And I believe his Twitter handle is at AC mid M I D D 13. Uh, I believe, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be getting that out there for people to follow Andy, um, you know, going into this season. Andy Campbell 16, I believe. Is oh, yeah, close, enough. close enough. Yeah. You would have yeah. figured it out. Yeah, no, he's he's already uh, got a good head start on things, but uh, yeah, Andy Andy's a good good dude. We're we're lucky to have him. But I do want to uh, kind of reverse track a little bit. And Aaron, I want to give you a little bit of credit. Um, you know, uh, you could you know that team that that Colorado team is is a lot. Your you know you put it together, so you deserve a lot of credit for being yeah. able to put that team together, recognize the talent, bring the people in. To, to do this, uh, this good work over there. So Aaron, shout out to you for putting that team together. Cause you basically had free reign to do that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been fun. You know, we have a great platform here at the rink and I think a lot of people are slowly finding out about us in this area and, and wanting to write for us because we've got a great team to cover and I think they're going to be good for a while. So yeah, we're uh, thankful to have a great platform and it's uh, just the beginning, hopefully. And don't forget Chris Caruso, who does the Toronto stuff for us. Uh, she's, you know, she does the Toronto stuff. Of course, they're not really doing stuff much in Toronto right now because they're home. But don't forget that uh, we're going to be doing some probably some NWHL stuff. We have several writers on our staff that are very excited about that. Juliana, I think Lucas is going to do some writing. Uh, Chris Caruso wants to do some writing. I think Jess wants to do some writing. Excuse me on the W or the uh, WNHL. Or, uh, NWHL, sorry. I, I'm, I'm already zoning out here. Sorry, it's been a long week already. Uh, but yeah, so we got a lot of good stuff coming at, uh, coming along, a lot of good divisions. Hey, we're an independent website, so you know what? Uh, we're put together with you know people wanting to spend their free time doing this stuff, and we really appreciate the, the work they put in. So all of them, everyone, the, the work they put in on this stuff. So uh, I think it's it, guys, right? Cool. All right, well... That being said, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedules to download, listen, watch, and support us. Uh, Until next episode, see you on the rink.